Hello, Canada, and welcome to another episode of Canadian Common Sense. This is Canadian Common Sense with Lewis and Tony. Good afternoon, Canada. Today's date is December 8th, 2020. Welcome to a full edition of Canadian Common Sense. It's Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in British Columbia. How are you, my friend? Well, as you know, I, I have the most expensive Christmas tree ever. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I shouldn't laugh because it's actually kind of crappy why it costs you so much, but it is a funny story. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will give a brief rundown just for the listeners here. We uh, we went up into the bush to get our Christmas tree uh, on Sunday. And um, uh, as soon, well, within 150 feet of pulling off of the uh, paved road, the, uh, the wet, heavy snow built up so much underneath the truck that we high-centered on it, and we ended up having to call a tow truck to get us out. So that cost me $660 with tax. So, Youch. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's, that was a lesson learned and uh, the most expensive Christmas tree I think I've ever seen. So um, yeah. Definitely, yep. That is an expensive Christmas tree. <laughs> it is. This has been a great year for me and uh, and money. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, all right. So uh, it's uh, like we said, it's almost the end of 2020. But I have a feeling that we are nowhere near the end of all the craziness and uh economic destruction and covid news so um why don't we get right to it here you bet um we said a couple weeks ago we probably have enough material for two shows and that certainly is the case again today so on the show today covid we've got a vaccine and justin trudeau's brilliant plan for the rollout maybe not Derek Sloan's ideas on COVID vaccines, field hospitals in Alberta, Christian Freeland is, is talking about a possible tax on savings. Lewis has some thoughts on that. And tax increases and Hudson's Bay Company closing down? Where to, my friend? Well, let's, uh, let's start off with uh, the last one you mentioned, the Hudson's Bay Company. Yep, that's probably a good place to start. Now, it's not necessarily a political story that the Hudson's Bay Company is has not officially announced it yet, but rumors are starting to abound that Hudson's Bay Company will be closing its doors at the end of 2020. And I got to say, as a Canadian, not even just a Western Canadian, but as a Canadian, I mean, Hudson's Bay Company obviously has always been with us. I mean, it's the oldest continually operating company in North America. May 2nd, 1670, it was chartered. Yeah. And in 350 years, that the company, well, I mean, it's, it's just been a part of who we are as Canadians, but also in the early days of the Hudson's Bay Company, they were kind of the, the center of many communities uh, 
you know, from their fur trading days to through the pioneer days. I mean, the, the Alberta legislature, for example, is actually on the grounds of an old Hudson's Bay company fort. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's just, a it's just been such a part of, of Canada for 350 years. Yeah. And it's more than just a part of Canada. Um, I mean, between the Hudson's Bay company and the, uh, the North, was it the Northwest Fur Trading Company? Yep, the Northwest Company, yep. Yeah, between the two of them, they founded Canada. Like, if the, uh, it was it was those two companies, and, and probably more so uh, HBC, that kind of blazed the trails for Canada to be settled and uh, for this great country to have been founded in the first place. So, I mean, it's more than just, you know, a part of Canada. It's, it's almost like it, it is Canada. It's, it's just a, an, an integral part in the entire founding of our country. Yeah, that's actually, you know, really well said. I mean, uh, I think you can make a very good case that if there was no HBC there, there might not have been a Canada in the form that we know it now, because I mean, they provided security. They provided obviously a, you know, commerce through their, their trading post. But I mean, they offered a, they sold a lot of supplies. They actually had their own payment system even on fur trading. Uh, I, I was a volunteer at Fort Edmonton for a couple of years in my university days. And I was able to learn a lot about sort of that fur trading culture at that time. And it was, it was interesting how they, uh, you know, there was times that they didn't have actual cash money and they would just make up their own barter system. And yeah, they were just such a huge part of the development of this country that it's, it's hard to believe that they're, that they are potentially going to be gone. But at the same time, I mean, you saw in, I think you said in Penticton, they had paid their rent at one of the malls. And apparently that's uh, quite a popular common story across Canada. They're not paying the rent. So yeah. Yeah, I know the the uh, the location in Penticton is like seven hundred thousand dollars behind in rent, um, and that's, uh, I mean, believe it or not, that I mean, they, they, their rent is something like seven hundred and or sorry, seventy eight thousand dollars a month or something. So, um, it's you know they they've been they haven't really paid their rent. I think since the beginning of the of the pandemic, they just stopped as soon as they had to shut down, they just stopped paying rent. And, um, and apparently that that's been the case, uh, at multiple locations, um, just in BC here alone, I know of, of at least, uh, uh, two or three others that are all being evicted from their buildings. And, uh, and, and I've, I've just kind of heard, I haven't seen any like official reports of it, but I've heard about other stores across the country that are as well. Um, and, and it, 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 to me, it almost sounds like it was a company wide decision to just stop paying rent. Well, it seems like it. Cause, uh, yeah, I'd read that Winnipeg was having some problems and I believe in Toronto as well. And yeah, Winnipeg, I, I heard that, 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 that story, it's iconic. That's that location. It's, it's, and it's, uh, and they're set to close apparently. Yeah, no, I hadn't heard anything about the store here in Saskatoon, but it's uh, it's the same kind of 
situation as Winnipeg. It's, I mean, it's right downtown. It's been, you know, a part of the community for so long. So uh, who knows? I mean, and I guess in a way they're, they've kind of been the victim of their own poor decision-making. Cause I, I remember when it was bought out by the same company that owns Saks Fifth Avenue in the States that they made a transition to try to, to cater to more of a high-end market. And that would explain why I haven't been in, into a base store for a few years. And I think that that's probably a reason that a lot of Canadians just stopped going because if you can't afford the goods or just aren't interested in them, then you see what happens. Well, I, I don't, I don't know that I would say that that's a fair assessment just because that decision by, by the company that owns Saks fifth Avenue uh, is actually responsible for the Bay making a resurgence. Um, they were, that company was, was set to go bankrupt a long time ago. And that decision to go on a, towards a more higher end um, uh, product uh, is, is kind of what saved them. Um, it's, I think the problem with the Bay is that they have not adapted very well to this move to online. Um, and they've kind of over the past several years have, have made their, they've kind of conditioned their, their clientele to, uh, to just expect deals. Right. Um, right. So if, if they aren't offering a sale, people just wait because they know that, that there's going to be a, you know, a buy one, get one free or, uh, buy one, get 80% off your second one or, you know, 65% off or whatever that happens every couple of weeks on whatever it is that you're looking for. So people aren't buying things at full price. They're just waiting for the sales because they come around so often. And I think, you know, as a business owner, that's, that's my assessment of it. Well, I think that's probably fair enough to say. Yeah, that. That would make sense. And yeah, I had actually read stories about the, the online thing you were discussing too, that they just didn't seem to have any kind of online presence. And especially during COVID, that, that had to have hurt. Yeah, their, their online shopping experience is not great. I'll, I'll just put it that way. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's probably better today than it was a year ago, but it's still not great. I mean, I, I have ordered stuff off the Bay's website because the local store just doesn't, doesn't carry what I want, but it's online. But when you get it, you know, if it doesn't fit, you got to send it back. It's, it's, I, I just, um, I just think that the Bay has focused too much on sales and giving deals that, that the, the customers have just come to expect that everything that they want is going to be on sale within a few weeks. Um, and they just wait. And so they always buy things when it's a loss leader or when it's when the margins are so tight that they're not making any hardly any money, if at all, on the on the sale prices. Yeah, no, that that's a fair enough assessment. So, so anyway, hopefully it's uh, hopefully this is not the end of HBC, but it almost sounds like it is. So yeah, it's, it's uh, unfortunate because I mean, like you said, and like we like we said earlier, it's. It, it's part of the fabric of Canada and it's really sad to see it go. I hope they come up with some way of keeping HBC alive in some way. Um, maybe not in physical stores, but, or, or maybe even they, 
they downsized it. They changed the whole thing to become more like a boutique uh, type uh, uh, retail experience um, where they have smaller stores uh, and they focus on less, less, not such a grand, uh, diverse uh, uh, amount of product. I mean, like you go into a, a, a bay now and I mean, they've got everything from, from like kids clothes to mattresses to appliances to oh, yeah. cosmetics and everything in between i mean like it's they've i think they're trying to do too much and I, and I hope they just refocus the company so that it doesn't disappear altogether yeah i think i could could go with you on that one all right so do you want to get angry about christopher freeland or do you want to get angry about covid oh it's one and the same <laughs> well, why don't we touch on on Christopher Freeland? Now we all heard the, the fiscal update that she gave us a while back, and I don't consider it much of a fiscal update when all it was was spend, 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 and we can keep spending because interest rates are low. Which tells me she is not quite as as dumb as Jagmeet Singh, but it does tell me she's not that bright. Yeah, and she used a term that really got under your skin, so I'm going to let you take over. Yeah. Um, well, the thing that's really upsetting me with Christy Freeland right now is that she gave an interview, and it sounds like it, like I'm not sure where the interview is from, whether it's uh, a TV interview or a podcast interview or a radio interview. Um, I mean, it is a video interview, so I'm it's not likely radio, but could be podcast or tv i'm just not sure exactly where it's from but she pleaded with the listeners of that show to give her ideas on how to unlock pre-loaded stimulus now what may you ask is pre-loaded stimulus what is pre-loaded stimulus lewis I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Preloaded stimulus is a new term that Miss Christia Freeland has coined. Uh, and what it is, is your savings account. Well, isn't that generous of me? Yeah. So she, and, and this isn't something that is like cryptic or hidden. She flat out came right out and said it, that, Many households across Canada, those, you know, more, you know, um, uh, wealthier households have not been spending money through this pandemic because there hasn't been anything to do. So they've been saving it all. And she wants that money, that save, that money that people have in their savings accounts to be poured directly into the economy for a recovery. And she is asking the listeners of that show to give her ideas on how to do that. Of course, because government knows how to spend your money way better than you do. So why shouldn't we give it to the government? Yeah. Now, whether that's confiscation or it's some kind of a wealth tax 
or it's some kind of a, a, a tax, like a punitive tax for keeping money in your bank account past the end of the fiscal year, uh, like they tried to do to small businesses a couple of years ago. Um, or it's, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know uh, what other kinds of options there are, but these are the kinds of things that she's actually contemplating. And it, you know, and it, sorry, go ahead. Uh, and, and it's just, it, it, it boils my blood because who the hell is she and who the hell is government to be telling me, to forcing me to either hand over money I have worked my ass off and saved or to force me to sell it or sorry, to spend it. Like I, I'm just, I, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Well, it, it's, it's ridiculous. And when you had first sent me the, the video clip and we discussed it, I, I mentioned that, it made me think of Argentina, and we have some listeners in Argentina, so uh, hello to all of you. And it was in Argentina in 2001 had a financial crisis in which the government devalued the currency and then immediately froze all the assets of Argentinian citizens so they couldn't even get their money out of their bank and they couldn't take anything out of the country because all assets were frozen and some people lost everything. And... It obviously, and, and as you said, it didn't work out so well for Argentina as a country either. But that was the first place I went. As soon as you said that, it's like, oh my God, she's coming after our bank accounts. Yeah, Greece did it too. That's right. Yeah, that's right too. Yeah, Greece, uh, Greece froze everyone's bank accounts, and uh, and and they and they seized the money in them. Like this is this is where we're headed. And if you think that they can't do it then you're, you're delusional because it's actually allowed by law in Canada for the government to do this because Justin Trudeau and the Liberals passed a law not long after they took office allowing the federal government to confiscate money from people's bank accounts in, case, in the case of uh, uh, fiscal emergencies. I was unaware of that. I remember that they had talked about what was it taking assets, like they could go after your bank accounts if you had more than a certain amount of money in there. But I don't remember the the other part. So, damn. Yeah, yeah. I I don't. And now I have to be quite honest. I don't know the uh, the fine details of that legislation because I have not had time to look it up. But uh, regardless of whether it's over a certain amount or not. The fact that they are legally allowed to, to take people's money from their bank accounts is absolutely uh, tragic and it's, it's authoritarian and it's scary as hell. Oh, yeah. The fact that such a law even exists is absolutely crazy. And I think if Miss Freeland had even just tried to phrase it differently rather than just asking for ideas on how to take people's money. Uh, maybe that would have made it go down a little better with me, but 
it just, it, I mean, when you, you sent me the clip and I heard it and then we talked about it afterward, I don't see any other explanation than they're coming after our savings. They're coming yeah. after our bank accounts. Yeah. But, but, and it's, and there is nothing about this, nothing about this that would have made me okay with it because it's, it's my money. Well, it is. It, and you've already paid taxes on it. Yeah. And the fact that you actually want to keep some of it around and maybe, you know, save it up so you can retire buy a vehicle cash or, or retire or whatever. Yeah. Or like, pay for my kid's university. Yeah. Like no matter what we want to do with it is none of the government's goddamn business because it's our bloody money. We earned it. We've already paid tax before we got that money. So the government can go to hell, honestly. Careful. You're sounding a little selfish. <laughs> yes, indeed I am. How un-Canadian of me. Have you? <laughs> you you have probably seen the quote from Thomas Sowell, right? The the one that says, when did it become selfish uh, to want to keep my own, you know, money that, my own money, but it's not yeah. selfish to... Uh, try to take someone else's or to feel entitled to someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing that, that quote. I mean, I love Thomas soul like, like, like yeah. you do. So yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> and it's true. You are deemed to be selfish today for wanting to hold on to your own hard earned money, but it's not selfish for you to feel entitled to someone else's. Well, and that's exactly what this is. It's the government feeling entitled to, more of our money because you know Canadians already spend 50% of their incomes on taxation at all three levels of government. Yeah. So, and if you and think now you want to take one, yeah. And if you think this is beyond anything that the government would dare to do, uh, give your head a shake because they, they tried to do this a couple of years ago or three years ago now to small businesses. They, they tried to impose a 92% tax on small businesses that held over more than, I think it was, uh, I think it was a million dollars, more than $1 million in their bank account at the end of a fiscal year, that if they carried that money over, they would lose 92% of it. Good Lord. And that was the liberal government, the Trudeau liberal government. And that was about three, maybe four years ago that they attempted to do that. And so don't think that this isn't something they would try to do. This is definitely something they would try to do because they've tried to do it before. Well, exactly. And then even look when the pandemic started, when they tried passing that, the spending bill, which gave them dictatorial powers to spend without any kind of accountability until the end of 2022 one or 22 2022 and, yeah yeah and then also in that bill as you pointed out on our previous shows they also would take the power to nationalize any corporations they felt like so yep. yeah don't think for one second that the government won't go after your money because if they can they'll do it and they're and they and they are in the process of attempting to nationalize companies uh that take bridge financing from the federal government to get through this federal government, well, this government caused recession. Uh, 
Um, by if you take bridge financing from the federal government, you must transfer partial ownership of your company to the federal government for a loan, not for a handout or a grant or anything like that, for a loan that you have to pay back. Yeah, and then they wonder why there hasn't been a huge uptake on said loans. Or like, Yeah, I don't think there's been much uptake at all on them. And, and no, it's like, who the hell in their right mind would would transfer partial ownership over to the federal government? I mean, they're already trying to nationalize home ownership as well. I mean, they do this to first-time home buyers. That's right. I mean, this is this is absolute insanity, and we should not be standing for it. No, we shouldn't. And I mean, to their credit, you know, medium and large-sized companies did push back and that is the only reason that the government decided to back off that that tax grab or the cash grab i should say a few years ago and i'm glad they did because companies would not have stayed here to spend that money or to to give that money up they would have just closed their doors and left so i'm glad there was that pushback yeah absolutely yeah all right so we're about halfway through the show here let's talk a little bit of covid or in this case, a lot of COVID. So there has been some new breaking developments over the last couple of days, actually. So uh, so I actually have to change what I was going to talk about with COVID because now Health Canada has approved the Pfizer, Pfizer vaccine. Pfizer themselves have said they have to cut back their production because of, I'm not sure what the reasoning was in the States. There was supply. Justin, oh, there's supply, okay. Yeah. And uh, Justin Trudeau, our great and supreme leader whom I love has announced that Canada has not only secured the largest portfolio of of vaccines, but we have enough vaccines coming next week that we are going to be able to immunize all of Lethbridge, Alberta. Yeah. 250,000 doses we we will be getting, which with that two doses a patient, We'll be able to immunize 125,000 Canadians. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow, Mr. Trudeau. I am. Wow. Yeah. All I can say is, wow, 125,000 of our 37 million Canadians can get a vaccine. Yeah. And we already know where the first batch of vaccines, who, who who's earmarked for them. And that's frontline workers and and senior citizens that are in uh compromised health conditions right i mean right it's and and here's here's the kicker okay (laughs) it's a it's like between 55 and 60 percent of healthcare workers say that they'll get the vaccine the other 40 to 45 percent say they won't get them yeah that's something eh and that's got to tell you something. And and I've been I've been researching this a lot in the last week since we heard about the vaccines getting approved and and that they're going to be rolling out in the U.S. this week, in the U.K. this week, and Canada apparently next week or the week after. Um, it's we uh, there's there's some very there's some real concern about the vaccines um, there is- such as 
the fact that they've never gone like they they didn't really go through safety trials yeah and see that's where as much as i hate to give this name any credibility whatsoever that's why derek sloan brought a petition that was signed by 30,000 people to claim i don't know the wording of the petition exactly but effectively he wanted it to be recognized that COVID vaccines are effectively human experimentation. And there actually is a case to say he's not wrong. Yeah. And, and I hate to say that because I, I don't care for the guy. I I think think he's he's an idiot. I think he's a tool. And I think that he's, he's a, he's a, a wing nut. Um, But in this case, he's not, entirely wrong uh the safety trials have not have never been uh they skipped the animal safety trials which which would have given them a lot of insight into um adverse side effects right Uh, the the only one that we have any numbers on for adverse side effects is the moderna max uh, vaccine and it had a 21 percent uh rate of adverse side effects 21 percent yeah it gives you a lot of confidence doesn't it yeah and and pfizer hasn't even released their number and neither has the have the other two uh vaccine manufacturers only Moderna has, and theirs is 21%. Yeah, that's really scary because I know that um, whether it was Moderna or one of the companies, they had kind of blended their phase one and two trials together. And I guess that's how they were able to fast track the vaccine so much. Yeah. I know yeah, that they all uh, did, actually. Yeah. Oh, okay. See, Vito Intervac here, and they're here at the University of Saskatchewan. They're in phase two trials, but they've actually, I guess they're doing it the methodical way. So they're, I'll actually have faith in their vaccine should they ever make one, yeah. but they're, they're currently in phase two trials right now with, with ferrets and showing some positive results, but I mean, they're not trying to rush it either. So. Yeah, no. Cause here's, here's what people don't know is that back in January when that, uh, the Chinese doctor, remember when he released the, uh, the uh, RNA sequencing code for for uh, COVID-19 on the internet. I vaguely remember that. Yeah, and he, uh, to quote, disappeared later, didn't he? He disappeared and then reappeared and then mysteriously died of COVID. Um, if Now, th- that when he did that, he released that on the internet in January. And within three days, Moderna had their vaccine. Well... They were able to uh, map it and create and create a vaccine in three days, and they started manufacturing immediately. Uh, that's that's how this has all gone so fast. They, okay, they started now manufacturing immediately, and while they were going through the trials, like the 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 human the human trials, because they never did any animal trials. They were going through the human trials. They were manufacturing the vaccine at the same time. And that's how they have, that's how they're this far ahead at this stage. And they actually, there's a doctor, Dr. Peter, Ho, P, 
Dr. Peter Hotez, who's an American um, epidemiologist, and he's a leader. He's like he's considered to be uh, like the world's leader in vaccine uh, knowledge and and everything. And he's actually pushing to skip trials altogether. Oh my gosh. That's that's dangerous. Now, see, Canada and a lot of hay has been made, and rightfully so, by the fact that we are so far behind in getting vaccines. I mean, the UK will will be vaccinating, I believe it's 8 million people by the time Canada even gets a supply. Uh, the Americans will have the equivalent of, of the whole Canadian population vaccinated before the end of the first quarter of next year. Which is really when we're we're slated to have maybe three million Canadians vaccinated, and Mr. Trudeau is such a great wordsmith that he was wanted to reassure Canadians it's not about the starting line; it's about how we finish. Yeah, our prime minister is an idiot. Um, yes, he is. But I'm going to say something right now. I'm going to say that. Justin, knowing what we're what we're finding out about these vaccines, how they've skipped safety trials, and how they've they've uh, uh, that Moderna's has a twenty one percent adverse reaction uh, rate, um, Justin Trudeau's incompetence may actually be of a, a benefit to us here in Canada. <laughs> Well, that's entirely possible. Yep. That, uh, and speaking of his incompetence, it, Canada had first initially put all their eggs in the CanSino basket. And in true Chinese fashion, which is the Sino part of the CanSino agreement, the Chinese took Canada's research and Canada happily sent it all over saying, okay, you can send us some vaccines. China said, um, no. And they started vaccinating their own soldiers. And, well, from what the Chinese have reported, no adverse effects. But we'll never know the actual truth on that. But No, I don't believe a damn word that comes out of that country. No, but I actually will give Mr. Trudeau credit for one more thing. And that might be the last thing I give him credit for for quite some time. But at the very least, he has put distribution of Canada's vaccines in the hands of the military who actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I, I'm, I'm so happy that he actually put it in the hands of the military because they do know what they're doing. Logistics is their specialty, and and uh, and the 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 uh, I, I trust them a hell of a lot more than I trust our government to do anything right. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So what we know is that there's going to be 14 distribution centers, so at least one in each province and territory, and apparently they all um, must, as a condition of, I guess, getting vaccines, have proper storage facilities in place, ready to go by next Monday, so that would be December 14th, and at that point they will be delivering vaccines to these distribution centers, and then from there, it will be up to the provinces who administer health care, as we know, and territories to distribute the vaccine from there. So we still don't know really how this whopping 250,000 
vaccine doses that we are, are getting are going to be rolled out quite yet, but we do know at least sort of the, the method of, dis- of distribution at any rate. So I guess that's a good sign. Yeah, as long as the vaccines work and they're safe, then yeah, good. But it's, um, I mean, it, this, and you and I talked about something before, and that was if there's not enough uptake on the vaccines, is the government going to start mandating them, right? Um, and we've we've talked about this before. I'm not sure if we talked about it on the show or not, but I know you and I have talked about it between us. Um, here's uh, Doug Ford yesterday said, I don't know if it was yesterday, it might have been this morning, um, said that because of you know the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, the government cannot force us to take vaccines, but they're going to severely limit what you can and cannot do if you don't get one. Yeah, I read that, and I'm not sure if it was because you had sent an article to me or if it was something I noticed uh, on my own surfing around. And you want to talk totalitarianism and that's, I don't know if they can actually even do that. I mean, I think that becomes a, a human rights issue, but honestly, who's going to, going to take them up on the challenge? Like that's, yeah, that's a scary road to go down to uh, restrict your own personal freedoms. Um, you know, because you refuse to take a vaccine on. And I mean, I think we'd already talked about that as far as there might be travel restrictions. You might have to show proof of a COVID vaccine before you get onto an airplane, for example. And was it you who was saying on our last show that to, to fly to Hawaii, that, that that's actually what you have to do now, show a negative test result before you can get on the plane? Uh, no, I don't think you have to, but I think that... Um... WestJet has a uh, deal with a lab in Alberta um, that, and it's, and it's, the lab has been approved by the state of Hawaii. So if you get this test before you get on a plane, um, then you don't have to take any kind of isolation measures as long as that test came back negative. Oh, okay. That's what it is. Um, Okay. Yeah. And, and the, but the, the state of Hawaii has had like an exemption for Canadians from the two-week isolation period. Um, and then I believe the island of Kauai um, has just uh, removed themselves from that agreement. Um, so oh. so they're, uh, I think, I'm not sure, but I think they will accept that test result Uh but they will not give you an exemption just because you're Canadian anymore, um, which they were doing. So, uh, which is, which is good because like, I mean, I even said this to my wife, I said, because our, 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 our Christmas plans were canceled because we were originally supposed to be uh, taking our kids to uh, Disneyland. And we had booked the, the trip and everything in January before uh, the COVID lockdowns. And, uh, so our trip obviously was canceled and I, and then I saw that Hawaii was offering this exemption for Canadians and I thought, oh, maybe we should go there instead. And, uh, and then I thought, well, uh, let's not take the risk because they're, you know, they're pricing uptick and then they'll, they'll, uh, cancel that exemption. And well, they did. (laughs) 
Yeah, so uh, good thing on you guys that you didn't take them up on it. Yeah, well, and the other thing that people don't realize, too, like there's a lot of people, a lot of Canadians that are going to Mexico right now. And I'm, I'm just flabbergasted by it because if you get COVID in Mexico, you're not allowed to fly home. Oh, I did not know that. And, well, you're not allowed on a plane if you have COVID. Oh, I guess, yeah. And they have, uh, and Mexico is one of the worst countries in the world for infection rates and death rates. Yikes. And yet Canadians are heading down there, no problem. And I'm just like, you guys are insane. Yeah, well, you know, and that was actually where my wife and I were going to go last month was was to Mexico. That was our plan because both of our birthdays are in November and she hit a milestone this year. So that was, that was our plan. And then, yeah, again, we were actually looking at booking it probably this summer. Then of course the world fell apart and we didn't thankfully. And yeah, who knows when we're going to get down there now. And now hearing you say that about Mexico, that's uh, it might be a while before anybody goes back down there. Oh yeah. If you, if, if people think of the Americans are in bad shape, take a look at Mexico. It makes the it makes the U.S. look safe as hell. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad in Mexico. So, and yet Canadians are flying down there and coming back and isolating when they get back and all this. And I'm just like, you guys are insane. Why would you even take the chance? You, if you caught it down there, you're there until it's done. Like you can't come back. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and you have their medical system to depend on, and the Mexican me- medical system is not great. Yeah, depending where you are, and then of course depending on on your income levels. But yeah, there, uh, I wouldn't want to rely on it. That's for sure. So no. Okay, two more points on COVID here, and I don't know if we'll get through them both before the end of the show, but I have to get your take on this one because I I'm sure you'll find it as funny as I did. NDP health critic Don Davies was on Power Play, and his suggestion, and he wanted, uh, he was serious, he wanted a bill put before the, the House of Commons that the government of Canada should start a crown corporation for vaccine production. Yes, I that did would, see that. That'll solve all of our problems, won't it? Oh, God, the NDP are dumb. They really are, and uh, and I know we uh, have absolutely no tie-in for this right now, but I want you to tell Canada what Jagmeet had said, Singh had said about the fiscal update because it's absolutely hilarious. Then we can get back to the COVID. Yeah, you you have been challenging Jagmeet Singh to a debate for a long time, and I think you should just rescind that that uh, invite to him because he just proved that. Nobody should debate him um, because he's so stupid. He said that that fiscal update was a move towards austerity. <laughs> and that, but that when, when that fiscal update included a hundred billion dollars in, uh, in, in stimulus spending. I mean, yeah, and it was unplanned, like unnamed stimulus spending, just, 
we're going to have another $100 billion that we will spend on stimulating the economy with no details. And he called that a move towards austerity. So Jagmeet Singh is an idiot. He is a moron, an imbecile. Uh, 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 He's completely devoid of any kind of intelligence whatsoever. And it seems to permeate throughout the entire NDP party when you've got people like Don Davies suggesting, oh, let's have a Crown Corporation produce vaccines. Oh, yeah, because that's going to work, you moron. Like anything the government touches fails. Everything the government does fails. Everything, the government should not be in charge of anything. Like nothing, because they suck at everything. And the only reason we let them be in charge of some things is because the only way to have some things is to have a central governing body to look after it with like healthcare, like infrastructure, like policing or firefighting. But other than that, the government really shouldn't be looking after anything. And there's even arguments to be made that policing and and uh, and healthcare shouldn't even be looked after by by a government. Because look at the mess it all is. It's 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 just insanity to even think that a crown corporation is going to be anywhere near as good as a private corporation at doing anything. Oh, exactly right. And I mean, I guess it's NDP mantra, but this is exactly why the NDP should never, ever be handed the keys to 24 Sussex Drive. Ever. No, and I wish people would realize that provincially too. Yeah, you're living through that right now. I am. And we've had nothing but tax increases all through this pandemic. Oh, oh my crying out loud. I mean, they raised they raised the carbon tax in the, right in the middle of this. Well, it's brilliant. Yeah, they did something else too that no nobody in BC even knows about because the media didn't report on it and the and the NDP were very very quiet about it, but when the BC Liberal Party brought in the carbon tax a decade ago or whatever it was they brought in the carbon tax they gave uh, british columbians a income tax reduction that would match the uh revenues the projected revenue stream of the carbon tax so that it would be considered revenue neutral which we all know is BS anyway, because there's no such thing as revenue neutral taxes. And, no. Um, but they put in a, a, a income tax reduction to make up for the carbon tax. The NDP has quietly eliminated that income tax uh, reduction. Oh, of course. And nobody knows about it because the media isn't reporting on it well isn't that great yeah and this is what ndp governments do guys like tell your friends (laughs) yeah that's right taxes taxes and more taxes the ndp and the liberals but more so the ndp have never met a tax they don't love no exactly right 
And that's probably just as good a place to end the show as any. All right. So, all right, Canada. So those of you on the West Coast, enjoy your tax increases. Those of you in the very special group of 125,000 Canadians who might see a vaccine in December, good on you. And until next time, Canada, we've got a lot more to talk about, so you might hear a few rants in between this week and next show. But until then, until (laughs) then, have a great day. It's uh, Tony out here in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in rainy British Columbia. Good night.